Make it four straight for the London Knights as they gear up for a doubleheader this weekend on Friday and Saturday. This is episode 86 of The Night Shift, where we cover all things London Knights related. My name is Kyle Gamard, Mike Stubbs along with me, who is the voice of the London Knights. You can catch him on 980 CFPL calling each and every game and follow him online at Stubbs980 with two Bs. My social is at Kyle Gamard. We can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Mike, as we gear up for the Friday and Saturday matchups for the Knights. They play a Wednesday game in Guelph against the Storm at 6.30, which is an earlier time frame to try and get more families and kids out, which is awesome. The Knights come away with a big 5-2 victory. They now extend their win streak to four games. A few players staying hot for them as well. You called the game. What did you see? What did you take away from it? Well, we'll get to the game in a second, but Kyle, here's what I take away. The London Knights were on the bus pulling out of the Sleeman Center at 9.22. I take that away. That was after the guys had showered. That was after everybody had cleared off the ice. 9.22. So we had kids at home in bed at 9.30. I hope the rest of the league is watching. We used to have a lot of 7.30 starts. <laughs> long, long time ago, Hockey Night in Canada started on Saturday at 8 o'clock. And if you were under the age of, I don't know, 12, there's no way you ever saw the end of a game. I still remember the end of the first hockey game that I ever saw came because we were traveling and we ended up getting in at like 11 o'clock and there was a game ending. I thought, this is what it looks like. This, they actually, they come around and hug the goalie at the end of the game. I had no idea. And so <laughs> now we're really starting to see what it is that, Families are looking for, fans are looking for. I love the experiment. Major League Baseball does this, where you've got some 640 starts during the season, during the week. And I think we could see a little bit more of this around the league because it didn't take long for the seats to fill in. It was a fantastic crowd. There were young kids there. And then they were treated to, well, if you're a Knights fan at the game, a fantastic outcome. Guelph, not so much. Kyle, for whatever reason, when the Knights and the Storm get together, the London Knights seem to match up very well against Guelph. This has been a team that has been a, a thorn for them the last few years. Every game has been 3-2 and weird things would happen, bounces off skates and bounces off sticks and strange stuff, especially in Guelph. The Knights have a 4-1 win over Guelph, they have a 4-0 win over Guelph, and they have a 5-2 win over Guelph. And last game against Guelph, was all about special teams. Four for five on the power play, six for seven on the penalty kill. That was the difference in the game. Well, and we've talked about how important special teams have been early on in the season. And listen, obviously they're important, but you know, if the Knights could improve a little bit in both factors because their penalty kill would be giving up a couple goals here and there. Their power play wasn't clicking maybe as they wanted it to. All of a sudden, their power play scores a goal or two more. The penalty kill keeps a couple pucks out and that results in a 5-2 to two win over a very good, structurally built Guelph team. Denver Barkey, who we're going to talk about in just a little bit as well, coming off of the, his OHL player of the week. He scores two more goals. Easton Cowan, Mike, is now up to 27 points in just 14 games and Oliver Bonk, who maybe wasn't getting on the score sheet as much as he would have liked to, especially being a first-round pick of the Philadelphia Flyers, he gets two goals and an assist as well. I feel like the confidence is starting to come back into him. You bet. You bet. And he is somebody that does absolutely everything because he'll be remembered from the game against Guelph for scoring twice, 
and for getting an assist. He will also be known among his teammates as a guy who, when two penalties ran together, was out there for over two minutes killing those penalties and keeping the puck out of the London night net. There are things that he does that do not show up on the stat sheet. So when he gets an opportunity to go into that net front position on the power play, sure, he's going to take it. But even he knows that, yeah, he was the trigger guy, but this power play was a complete team effort last night. Here he is. This one goes to the boys. Like they just, I just, I just kind of stand there and, and get open, but it's all the boys passing it around. No one's being selfish. So I think it's all in them. Talk to us about the penalty kill shift. Find them in the slot. I don't know how long that penalty kill yeah. shift was. That was long. That was kind of we were kind of messing around with it too much there, but like everyone, everyone sold out their bodies. Couple big blocks, so I, I was pretty happy with it. Even though I was out there for a bit, it was pretty. It was good. Big win. Yeah, big win. Big win. Like Oliver Bog says, big win by the London Knights over the Guelph Storm because it moves them to within one point of the Kitchener Rangers. How are we still saying this? Even people in Kitchener did not expect this. But the Kitchener Rangers continue to soar. The Knights and the Rangers have each played 19 games. London is one point back. Five regular season meetings remain between those two teams. Can't wait for the next one of those. But the Knights... Seven of eight wins and four in a row. And Sam Dickinson is another guy who we've got to point out. Sam Dickinson was a plus one. He set up Denver Barkey for the game's first goal against Guelph a minute 28 in. And Sam Dickinson, with that plus, has tied Matt Andonovsky for top spot in plus minus in the Ontario Hockey League. They're both plus 20 through 19 games. And yes, Sam Dickinson is still 17 years old. It's crazy to think when he came in last year as a rookie and was instrumental when the Knights were going through some injury problems and some defensemen were out at at NHL training camps. He, as a 16-year-old, just magically fit into the top four and was playing top minutes, and he didn't look out of place. And all he has done is just take that next step and progress. He's obviously being scouted in his draft year of NHL eligibility, and he will be a top pick, I think, in the NHL draft upcoming. But, man... The speed, the size, and you know his vision on the ice, and he just everything like there's not a weak point to his game that I feel really tarnishes him. He's good in almost every area of the ice, and that's what makes him so steady for the Knights on the back end. Kyle, you want to know what the coolest stat is about Sam Dickinson? The coolest stat about Sam Dickinson is this. Yes, he's a plus 20, does all of those things that you're saying. He's going to be a very high pick. He defends... And has four penalty minutes. Four. That's it. He defends like Nick Lidstrom defends. Wow. Where you do it by the book. And he's so good at it. Positionally, when to use his stick, his feet are always in the right place, pointing in the right direction. And as a defenseman, that's a difficult thing to learn. Positioning of your feet and being able to move with some of these quick forwards. He does it so well. It's a beautiful thing to watch when you're at a game. Just watch Sam Dickinson when he comes out for a few shifts. Just when you see number three come over the boards, just watch Sam Dickinson. Watch how he plays and really soak in what he does defensively and how he executes. It's a thing of beauty. If you are a defenseman, watch him because you'll learn a lot about what to do on the ice. The last few high picks that were defensemen from the London Knights have been Evan Bouchard, Adam Boakfist, you know, guys that have gone on and been 
NHL regulars. Evan Bouchard is quarterbacking one of the best power plays in hockey of the Edmonton Oilers and Boakfist could, you know, potentially become a, a top four guy as well. So it's, it's good to be a top defenseman and a top pick within the London Knights organization. Let's just say that. Absolutely. And then we'll see what Oliver Bonk does coming out of that. And then speaking of defenseman, Isaiah George and how well he plays and Jackson Edward, another goal last night. And we talked about it on the broadcast. If you were to list off the attributes that Jackson Edward brings, his physicality, his ferocity, his size, his IQ, you list off a lot of things. Where would his shot have been? It would have been way down the list. You got to take that shot and you got to move it up the list right now. You've got to at least put it beside one of those other attributes because he had another laser on a wrist shot that made it two nothing. And that gave the London Knights the cushion that Guelph was chasing all night long and never caught. No, and again, it's he was a guy who was a fourth round selection. And you you were waiting for you know guys around that that mid range selection pick to either step up and show maybe like hey I'm worth maybe a couple more slots than this. I think we saw it with uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and Ty Voigt, who was a fourth or fifth round pick of them. All he did then his next couple of years was lead or be top five in the OHL in scoring. And now we're seeing Isaiah George skating his way. He's developing a shot and he's looking like a really good selection in the fourth round for the New York Islanders. Well, the defense core on the Knights is something very, very special. And then you can look at all of the other pieces, Alec Leonard and his physicality. And you look at Henry Brustevich and how he's developing. And the Knights are still without Ethan McKinnon. They've been playing without him for a while. And he's got an upper body injury that he's hoping he can return from in the near future. Landon Sims getting a little closer to returning as well. So that's good news for the Knights. And the special teams, just to close out a thought on them, You mentioned it, Kyle. You get a goal from your power play. It does make that difference. And the Knights weren't getting that for about a week and a half, two weeks. Now that started to come again. And getting four is just a bonus. And it's the penalty kill, too, because Guelph has a really dangerous power play. Guelph's penalty kill is really good. This is The Knights went in and special teamed a team that boasts the best special teams in the league collectively. And we talked with Rick Stedman about maybe a little tweak, because you're always tweaking your special teams, because that's something you can focus in on when you are preparing for a team. You can really see what they're doing because it gives you a big advantage. You have that extra attacker, you want to put the puck in the net. And so the Knights tweaked a little something on the penalty kill. Here's Rick Stedman. I think, again, it comes back to the mindset. I mean, we've just been preaching defense first. Uh, if you play good defense, good things will happen. So and that's what's been going on with it. Uh, even the goals there that Barky got last game, it was good defense. They battled hard in the corner. Cowboy made a really good read to get the puck, and, and then Barks beat him up the ice to, to get that goal. So they're really turning it into a 200-foot uh, penalty kill and then not just getting stuck in our end. So it's always nice to see we can get some. Um, it's, it's always better for me when we don't let any in. So <laughs> Knights assistant coach Rick Stedman on just the things you try try and do on the penalty kill and some of the things that have worked out on the penalty kill for the London Knights as they kill off six of seven against the Guelph Storm. Well, Mike, they're going to take that four-game win streak and go into the weekend. Like you mentioned, uh, they're going to be at home Friday for a date with the Firebirds. A couple of teams, Flint and Erie, they'll they'll go into Erie on Saturday, but Flint's sitting right now right at the 500 mark. And it's one of those games where you look at a team like that and, you know, they've got eight wins, eight losses on the year, and I think a couple overtime losses as well. But you've got to be aware of the of the depth and the veteran presence on that team. Players like Nolan Dan, players like 
Braden Kressler, Gavin Hayes, those players can make an impact and you can't just take that game for granted. You've got to make sure that you come in and and finish up a, a strong weekend before they go out on the road for a couple of games, Mike. And then they move on to Erie, who sneakily, again, just around a 500 team, but they're 4-0-1 in their last five games. And Ben Goodrow has been stellar since joining them. You bet. And their only loss has been to Flint in overtime in those five games. Kerry Torrance is becoming scary. Malcolm Spence is a scary guy. These two players are still pretty young. And so now they're really finding their way. And then you add Ben Godreau and Nett, that's just a big presence in the back. And he's somebody that's really embraced being an Erie. He's got to play for a contract again. He's somebody that was a draft pick of the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks elected not to sign him, and then he ended up being moved from Sarnia to Erie. So this is a big opportunity for him, and he seems to be embracing it so far. So Flint started out the year not good. They were blown out a couple of times by the Sioux Greyhounds. They had allowed 28 goals and I think scored seven in their first four games, but they've really turned from there. And you mentioned the names and the veteran names and Colton Petrie is another guy who looks really good this year. He looked really good last year, but he just, he looks like a hockey player when he moves. And so he's somebody else. He had the overtime winner against the Erie Otters in the last game that they played. So it's not an easy weekend. You look at it statistically in the standings, Kyle, you're right. You say, oh, well, you got a couple of teams that are battling to be above 500. You got a couple of teams who are starting to play some really good hockey, and they come in now. And so, and everybody guns for the London Knights, seven of eight wins, but you've got to keep that momentum of what you're doing going. And the good news is you're getting a lot of contributions from a lot of different places. And Denver Barkey and Easton Cowan at just 18 years of age really still are leading the offense. Denver Barkey had a pair of goals against the Guelph Storm. Easton Cowan, three more assists. And they nearly connected on a couple of shorthanded chances. The Knights lead the OHL in shorthanded goals with seven. Niagara has six. Flint has four. And nobody else is in that category. Everybody else is zero, one, two, or three. So it's pretty rare air that the Knights are in through 19 games to have seven shorthanded goals. And again, you had Cowan and Barkey being threats in shorthanded situations against the Storm. Well, and it's a copycat league, and we've seen it with the Boston Bruins. They put out their stars on the penalty kill. You've seen Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand and even David Pasternak play some penalty kill minutes. We've seen it with other teams in the like at Edmonton. We've seen McDavid play some PK time because if you give the puck up and he's got room and space to go, he'll make you pay for it. And that's exactly what Denver Barkey and Easton Cowan have done. They've connected already before they passed. They almost connected yesterday in Guelph, and it's always a constant threat that the opposing power play has to be aware of god forbid you lose the puck or you get sloppy the opposing team will make you pay it's not we're going to put four guys out there and just survive the two minutes it's if we get an opportunity we're going to put our best players out there and try to capitalize on a situation and i'm the nut the knights have been spectacular at it so far Denver Barkey's coming off, Mike, a, a player, OHL player of the week where he had seven points in three games. He adds two goals to that, who's now up to nine points in his last four games. Easton Cowan, as I mentioned, 27 points in just 14 games since returning to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Casper Haltonen has really hit his stride, especially on the power play. I believe he's up to 13 goals on the year. We talked about it in the last episode. He scores goals in bunches, where if he scores in a game, he's pretty likely to score again. You bet. And Barkey and Cowan? both now on eight-game point streaks. Barkey's been held off the score sheet twice. Once in Saginaw, 
and then once against North Bay on October the 6th. So since October the 6th, now a calendar month and nearly a half, he has been held off the score sheet in the game one time. We're going to start grabbing some of the point totals and some of the seasons that past nights have had and the number of times they were held off the score sheet to do some comparisons because he's getting into that air. Oh, it's it's just it's incredible to see. And, you know, for a guy who was selected in the I believe it was the third round by the Philadelphia Flyers. There have been an awful lot of posts on social media from the Flyers giving credit to Denver Barkey and Oliver Bonk for the years that they've had so far. And I just I think the Flyers are going to fall in love with him. He's not the prototypical big 6'2", 200-pound bruiser as a power forward, but he is a type of skill guy where the league is moving in now that he plays bigger than what he looks like. He's constantly in the play. He's going into the corners. He's making plays with his feet. His hockey IQ is through the roof and... He's starting to get it. He's really starting to get a hang of it in the OHL. And I feel like that type of game translates to the next level. And the way that those guys are going, the way that they're, the engine is going, the way that the defensemen are playing, we've kind of highlighted all of the things that you need. And we haven't even touched on some of the players who are providing great support in third and fourth line roles. But this is what you want things to round into. And it's that October beginning of the season, do the learning. And then there's usually a jumping off point. Kyle, you point to the Ottawa 67s typically as the game on the schedule that lands in a similar spot. And now we're seeing that jumping off and now we see where it goes. Can the Knights keep this going through this weekend? And then they have a road trip that will take them to North Bay, Sudbury and Barrie. Bang, bang, bang. Three games in three nights in three different cities. It's not an easy run because those cities aren't next to each other. They're fairly close together, but they're not next to each other. I know Western Hockey League people are hearing that and thinking, you just try and do a run through some of the road trips. I know, I know. But in the OHL, it's still three games, three cities, and three nights in a row. So the schedule is is never easy, but it's one that a lot of these guys know how to handle now because they've been through it a few times, and away we go. Yeah, and, and you know, it always helps, too, when you've got, you know, a goaltending tandem that you can rely on, and that's exactly the reason why, Mike, they brought in a guy like Michael Simpson from the Peterborough Peets last year, and I think it's really special coming into potentially probably his final year in the OHL playing for his hometown team and with goaltenders too. I always got this sense that a a lot of your passion, your likes goes into what you end up putting on your goalie helmet. And for the longest time, it's just, it's been a a very generic sticker on his old Pete's helmet. Cause if you've seen the back of it, you see the old Pete's coloring. Not anymore. He's got a brand new mask. It's brand new painted. And Mike, you actually had an opportunity to get a tour of what's a part of the mask, what makes it special and what he brought into his brand new London Knights mask. You bet. Michael Simpson is a big fan of designing masks and having that creativity. And we talked to him about that. But first, we had to talk to him about his first shutout as a member of the London Knights and seventh in his career, he made one gargantuan save in the third period against Guelph on Wednesday night. He had to make a bunch of saves in the third period to preserve that shutout against Guelph on Saturday night. I think kind of the penalty kill at the end of the game, probably a little nerve wracking. Um, you know, I guess, uh, Casper uh, said to me that, you know, he owes me one and he didn't, he didn't make it too easy on me, but, um, probably that that's probably gonna stand out the most from thinking back on it. But I think just kind of the cheers from the crowd is pretty cool to get my first shutout as a night. You've been through this a few times as a goalie. 
when do you start thinking, okay, this could be one of those games? Is it after two? Is it with ten minutes left? Do you go closer? <laughs> yeah, I think I think kind of after two, it starts to set in a bit just because you're sitting in the room and you kind of got that time. But um, just try to stay focused and, um, and you know, kind of think of the task at hand because I think I think it was only three nothing at that time, and you know, one goal can kind of swing the game pretty good. So um, just try to stay as focused as I could, and uh, luckily uh, we kind of solidified the shutout at the end. Of the, game. the penalty kill gave me some work, but there were seventeen. <laughs> total shots in that period yeah. too yeah no it was a busy third so um felt good though like i felt sharp the whole game um i think starting out with three you can kind of creep into that where you kind of get a little lost out there but uh, i thought i stayed pretty focused the whole game and i uh, felt pretty good well you did it in a new mask yeah. so take us through how the mask process works do you contact somebody to get it going do you send some designs somewhere how does it initially begin yeah i guess um i don't know i'm pretty i'm a nerd kind of with it i just like you know i get bored in the summer and you kind of uh think like oh what am i gonna do on my mask next year and um kind of had one design for peterborough and didn't really have i guess one thought of for london but um when i got traded here i kind of started thinking about ideas and stuff like that and then uh we really really just like kind of give the mask to gilders and then uh start talking with him and um just because I kind of like to do my own touches on it, I'll kind of draw it up, and so I can see it, I guess, more just for my eye to see kind of what looks good and what doesn't, and uh, kind of drew it up and then sent it off to him, and um, you know he t- he made it look real good, so uh, I'm super happy with how it came out. How much back and forth is there after you send those first ideas? Um, a little bit. Like he kind of designs it on some like platform on his computer, I think, where he kind of brings it to life a little bit more, and um, you know, kind of say like, oh, can we change this a bit? Or yeah, there's a little bit, but not. A t- not a ton he's really good with it and he kind of he like he does what i want him to do which is kind of nice so um but just super happy with his work and he's, he's done my mask for a long time now so it's super it's pretty easy when i'm talking to him let's go on a little bit of a tour of it you've got the green and gold obviously you've got london knights on the top of the mask right on top of your head where do we go first left side yeah we'll probably start on the left side or i guess my right side um kind of got the spider knight logo <laughs> and um just because of the third jerseys and uh kind of just looking for i was looking for a design and um to be honest with you a lot of the design kind of came from anthony stolar's mask uh yeah, i grew up and i liked watching him so uh, i thought his mask looked kind of cool and especially with the white gear i think the darker mask would uh, would look pretty solid so um kind of i guess a big spider knight logo on the right side it's pretty kind of bland on the right side and then um just i guess to the front of the mask i got like kind of the 31 on the chin in gold um i've just i did my number last year and i like the way it looks so kind of stuck with that and then going to the right side we got uh i guess like our kind of primary logo that's on our jerseys um similar to the other side just kind of big and taking up a lot of space and then um i got bart simpson and kind of like a, a night helmet um that's something that started last year just with uh my mask and peterborough and um kind of i guess i saw jay gottinger had like the otter on his mask a couple years ago and um joe carroll used to be one of my teammates in peterborough he, he would call me bart and i'd call him big red so it was kind of just a joke and i was like oh that kind of looked cool so uh, did it last year and it, it turned out pretty good for me so I was like might as well have them again and, and then going to the top just kind of I got like a gold castle bricks kind of um, kind of hidden I guess more or less um, just with the knights and kind of castle medieval theme and then uh, the medieval London knights writing and then Derek kind of threw some like lightning in it I think just for the effect but I think it turned out pretty sweet and then uh, to the back late, just got type 1 diabetes, like T1D, just because uh, I've been living with type 1 diabetes since I was three, so um, kind of started that last year as well, to throw it on my mask, and then 
Um, then the 8K15, just kind of paying homage to Abakar last year. Obviously, I wasn't a part of the team, but um, I know it kind of struck the boys pretty good. And um, I, I got a chance to meet him in the summertime a couple of years ago, but um, just kind of paying homage to him. And then uh, the hometown tour, just kind of a joke with Ethan McKinnon and I being from London, coming back for my OA year. I guess it's just like kind of a joke. And then just my last name on the on the bottom. But no, it, it turned out super sharp and I'm um, super happy with uh, everything he did. London Knights goaltender Michael Simpson with his new mask, which does include a tribute to Abakar Kezbekov on the back. So it's something that he has absolute pride in and enjoys doing, and it looks fantastic. So if you're up against the glass and you see Michael Simpson skate by, see if you can see Bart Simpson in the corner. See if you can see some of the other things that he mentioned, because there was a lot of thought going into each and every one of the elements on his mask. The Bart Simpson one kills me. And I, I love that connection between him and, and of course the beloved Simpsons character. And Oh, you get a chance to see it in action on Friday night when they are hosting the Flint Firebirds going for their fifth win in a row, trying to continue to collect the points and climb in the standings. You can listen to the game on 980 CFPL. Mike Stubbs will have the call and follow us on socials at Stubbs982Bs at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. Follow every episode of the podcast as we move along. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, halfway through November. It's been a ton of fun. And uh, Mike, we'll, we'll talk to you after the weekend. Looking forward. Forward to it.